All right. So hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today for this awesome chat and learn that I am ready to get kicked off with our very, very special guest. Um, you know, it's a Monday, so I hope you're doing okay. I know it doesn't feel like it, but we're almost at the end of 2020. The light at the end of the tunnel is almost here, or so we hope. And so with that, to set off today, um, I just want to go over some quick housekeeping rules. Um, I just want to let everyone know this conversation is being recorded. And so with that, you can always come back and take notes, rewatch some things, um, check out something you missed. But we really want you to be in the now, in the here. So turn on your cameras, come off of mute, and really participate in today's conversation. This is all about you. This is all about, you know, overcoming this overachiever syndrome that I know I suffer from, which is why I was so excited to host today's chat. And so, you know, really just want to invite everyone to participate in today's conversation. I do just want to flag that if you do participate in today's conversation by coming off of mute, you will show up in the recording. So if you are worried about any privacy issues, you can feel free to write in the chat um, uh, at any time with any comments or questions. And if you want to write in the chat, and want to remain anonymous, anonymous during the conversation, you can feel free to message me privately by going to the chat box, um, hitting the drop-down menu and finding my name, Nicole Felter. And as I said, this is being recorded, so we will send you a rewatch link that you'll be able to come back um, at any time and see. And then follow us on social. We're at Power to Fly on all social channels. And then, you know, subscribe to our YouTube channel where we are live streaming all of these conversations. And so with that, I'm so excited to introduce today's speaker, Kyla Schmidt. She is the founder of Mom Starts Here, if I am not mistaken. Um, and I really want to hand it over to her to do an introduction. And, you know, during today's conversation, what we're going to cover is an understanding of how you can do all of your passions and feel fulfilled in that. That's something I struggle with. And then strategies to help you celebrate the little wins that us overachievers have such a hard time doing because... If anyone else like me is on the line, you are like, yay, I did that. Okay, but what's next? And so I'm really excited to dive into this, but I wanted to hand the mic over to you, Kyla, so you can tell us more about yourself and um, you know how you've gotten to a place of uh, overcoming this. Nicole, and thank you everyone for joining. I'm so excited to chat. Um, as Nicole said, please feel free to hop off of mute and interact and talk and ask any questions you've got. I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, so my name is Kyla Schmidt. I, as Nicole said, I'm the founder and executive director of Mom Starts Here. Um, I'm living in upstate New York with my husband and my two kids and my two dogs and cat. I've got a great Dane and a St. Bernard. They are humongous and insane and a lot of work. <laughs> So it's like having four kids, really. The cat just like, you know, he's so small, we almost forget we've got him. Um, but that's that's what I do. Um, I'm so excited to be here today and kind of share what I've learned. I certainly don't have it all together, but I'm certainly a self-diagnosed overachiever. And I feel that I've had some awesome influences and in teachers and things that I've learned to kind of help me somewhat keep it together. Um, and I'd love to share that with you guys today. So thanks for being here. Awesome. Thank you. And yes, I can imagine, you know, the added stress that there is with having 
children or extended family members and trying to manage, you know, your time so that you're also achieving the things that you feel like you should be doing and overcoming that pressure that we put on ourselves with while being an overachiever. Um, so thank you for the introduction, Kyla. And so I just want to show everyone the pre-submitted question that we had and, you know, shout out if you don't see your question on here or you see it towards the end, please feel free to, again, come off of mute or write it in the chat so that we can get to it first. Um, you know, we do take precedence for live chats and uh, questions and comments. So just want to shout that out. And so diving in to this first question can you tell us a little bit more about how you've managed to pursue your various passions and achieve fulfillment? And what are the passions that you've gone after? Yeah, so uh, my passions are kind of all over the place, but I, to narrow them down to the ones that I really feel um, speak to my soul and like the things that I feel I need to accomplish on a regular basis. I'm really passionate about singing. I've been singing my whole life. Um, and teaching voice lessons. That's something that I always feel like I need to have, have a hand in at some point. Um, I'm really passionate about serving other people. That's something that makes me feel alive and fulfilled. Um, fixing things, I'm you know really handy. I love DIY and home projects and that kind of thing. Um, studying the Bible, I'm constantly trying to like wrap my mind around it and get in deeper. Uh, that's been a lifelong pursuit for me. Parenting, of course, if you have kids, that's very likely one of your passions. Uh, being a good mom, being a good wife, and just taking care of the house is really important to me. Um, but getting crafty and just kind of creating something new uh, using my hands, that's really important to me too. And helping people pursue their dreams. So kind of the casework side of our organization and just family and friend relationships. I love helping people kind of move forward to pursue that. So that's, that's what really speaks to my heart um, and what's really important to me. But I'm certainly not perfect at finding that balance. Um, I have a tendency to try and do too much. My, you know, eyes are bigger than my stomach. <laughs> I always think like, oh yeah, I'll add that to my plate. I could do that too. Um, but I do feel like I've gotten a pretty good balance and done a good job at feeling fulfilled and trying to juggle all of those things in, in a way that works for me. Um, and the balance that I've been able to achieve has been by realizing that there's a season for everything. Uh, I can't give my attention to everything at once. And as much as I can dream and plan, I need to also be able to take action, right? And do some of the things on my to-do list and make sure that it's well-balanced so that I end up actually feeling like I'm moving forward in the things that are most important to me. Um, I can give small amounts of time and energy to you know, latent passions to keep them alive. That's something that I've done pretty well through the years. And of course, some passions aren't optional, like parenting and serving others. They're like part of my full-time work. So that's something that I always have to be doing. And I'm sure many of you can relate to that. Um, so that's a little bit of how I've managed to pursue those things. And we'll kind of get more into that as we, as we go forward. Totally. And I really love that you said that parenting is a passion um, and it's kind of obligatory, right? So, because I remember distinctly when I first had Gabriel, you know, my partner would be like, well, you're not reading that much because, you know, I was always super involved in like international relations and trying to keep up with the news is incredibly hard as that is, but trying to keep up with the news and current events. And, you know, I kind of lost that 
once I had Gabriel and I was like, no, but we're really just reading different things now. Like I'm reading tons of mommy blogs. I'm reading tons of news articles. I'm running, reading tons of research around development around children. Right. And I think a lot of times we forget that it is a passion, even if, you know, it's obligatory at this point, you know, it is something being that can bring the you best so much parent, joy. Yeah. Being the best parent you can be isn't obligatory, right? Being a parent is, but really doing your best at it and digging in and doing that research and trying to do that self-exploration that's going to make you the best parent you can be, that is, that does require passion. And so, you know, that's why the whole stay at home mom is a full-time job. Of course it is. And now more of us than ever are experiencing what a full-time job that really is, but it's because to do it well requires that extra effort and attention. And you have to be passionate about it to be able to give it the attention it needs. Parenting, not it as in your child. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally. Um, And so I also wanted to follow up here and ask you, you know, once you came to that the understanding that everything has a season and that, you know, you couldn't achieve all your passions all year long. How have you, how has that changed? You know, were you previously? Frozen. All I heard was, so, were you previously? And then you cut out. <laughs> oh my gosh. So sorry. My internet is not doing well. So I'm going to also log in from my phone. Sorry about that, everyone. Thank you for your patience today. Um, and so what I was asking was, you know, prior to understanding that everything has a season, how did you feel and deal with that versus now, you know, coming to grips with that and realizing that, you know, you can't follow your passions all year long because it's exhausting. Well, I think it really came down to figuring out like what my core values were and how to express those values with the way I spend my time. Um, That was like a huge turning point for me in being an overachiever in a healthy way because the desire to do it all never really went away. But the understanding that as long as my core values are being lived out with the way I spend my time most of the time, then I have that level of fulfillment. And that's really been the trick for me is um, as much as, you know, some of my passions and the way I want to, you know, pursue different things is seasonal, um, really just kind of honing in on what needs my energy now and letting that be okay. Um, and you know, some of the other questions kind of prompted this for me, but to consider, um, the fact that, you know, your dreams and your goals can get tucked away for a time as long as you don't completely let go of them. And there are different things that you can do to kind of get back in touch with them. Like you said, you can't go 100% on everything all year round or you'll get completely burnt out. But kind of having that recognition within yourself to be like, okay, I'm going to put this down for a minute and that's okay without completely letting it go. Um, Letting myself really do that over and over again, I got more comfortable with it and was like, okay, I will get back to this. I will pick it back up. That's been the key for me. Oh, thank God you said that. That is such a nice thing to hear um, because it can be easy to feel like if you do put something down, I think especially if you're an overachiever, it feels like you'll never pick it back up. And so then it, it, it starts this other 
bout of anxiety because you feel like you've given up on something that you really love, but it's good to be reminded that we can put things down and pick them up, you know? Uh, so thank you for that, Kyla. And so diving into the next question, you know, how do you remind yourself to stop and enjoy your accomplishments? Us overachievers know that, as you said earlier, Nicole, like you accomplish something and you literally are like, okay, next thing. I completely empathize with that tendency to do that. Um, one thing that's really grounded me is practicing gratitude. So to kind of look at things from a perspective of how fortunate I am to kind of be in the position that I am, even though I have other goals and other things that I'm trying to pursue, to be grateful for the benchmark, to be grateful for the little wins and just to kind of sit there and say, okay, let me look back to a time where I was hoping I could do this. Let me look back to a time where I, you know, my 10 years ago self would have been really impressed with this accomplishment. Just doing those mental exercises of thinking like, okay, I'm fortunate to have this problem to solve in the first place and remind yourself of when you were like dreaming about the life you're living now. And not every aspect of your life is going to be like, oh, this is what I always dreamed of. But, you know, there's, there's guaranteed to be some things that you're like, oh yeah, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, I would have been really, really excited to know that this is where I am. Um, so just allowing myself to do those mental exercises has kind of kept that in check for me and helped me to stop and enjoy it for a second before jumping into the next thing. I love this. So do you have a gratitude journal or have you set up some sort of ritual in your daily life or, you know, monthly that you kind of reflect on those things? Yeah. I do journal, but I don't often do like a gratitude journal for some reason. When I write down the things I'm grateful for, they get really siloed. And I don't know if I'm the only person, but if I'm like, I'm grateful for my home and my kids and my job, then I just start to think about like material things. When I'm kind of trying to do like a mental reflection, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm grateful for the trees and I'm grateful for, you know, living where I live. Oh, look, like it's fall. You know, I, I don't get like that creative when I'm writing it down. It feels too official for me, but I'm all about a gratitude journal if that works for you. What I try and do in the morning is just kind of sit, have a cup of coffee and just go through whatever pops in my head in a not super realistic re ritualistic way. I just kind of want to see what pops in every day and be like, oh, I'm grateful I had a good night's sleep. I'm grateful like my daughter slept through the night. I'm grateful that the dishes are done, whatever it might be that day, and just kind of be present in that. So I do it early in the morning, kind of puts, puts me on the right track for the day. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. If anyone has any other tips around how they deal with gratitude, you know, I've tried to start doing gratitude journals and uh, meditation, but I find myself getting into the same thing where I feel like I write such broad things and I'm like, does it even make sense to write it down? And then I find myself writing down the same exact thing over and over again. Yeah. And then I guess this overachiever at me trying to find more things to be grateful for. And it's like, but what else can I find? You know? And yeah. oh, it's horrible. That's, that's why I kind of try and do it in my head because like I said, it just gets really like categorical. It's just like, okay, these are the physical things and these are like the life goal things. And these are, you know, I'm all for lists, but with gratitude, I find that I get deeper into it when I just let my mind go where it naturally goes. I love it. Thank you. 
And so what's your favorite thing to do to celebrate your little wins or your big wins? And if, I don't know if you have a differentiation between, you know, what you do versus what kind of win it is. Um, I always find it easier to celebrate something that impacts someone else. I don't know if that's just me, but like, if something great happens to someone else, I'm like, let's go to dinner. Let's, you know, whatever. I want to celebrate for other people. But when something happens for me, probably because I'm an overachiever, it never quite feels big enough to do something for. And I think that that can be a problem for us because then we don't do anything. Right. So my ritual of kind of allowing myself to celebrate is I have a close group of people that I will force to talk to me about what I did. Like I call my brother, I call both my parents, I call my husband and I'm like, guess what? I just got the contract back for da 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 da. You remember how long I've been working on it? And I just like, it's not like bragatory. It's just like, let's celebrate together. Let's like pull somebody else in on this journey because for me, talking about it makes it real. Like if it just happens and I like write it in a journal or something, I kind of forget that it even happened, right? Because I have a tendency to like undermine the level of accomplishment. And so I just kind of like, oh yeah, move on, right? So to really celebrate the little wins, I gotta have the conversation like three or four times and get it out of my system, allow myself to like be excited with someone else and then move on. That's that's my method. <laughs> I feel like you were just speaking to my soul right now because I feel like I get into the same situation, you know, where I'll like write something out to somebody and I'll tell them it to happen. And they'll be like, oh, that's great. You need to go celebrate. Like, make sure you take time to celebrate. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. But come on, do I, I'm not really going to do it now. But, you know, when you're able to like speak about it, like you're saying and talk to somebody, you're really able to celebrate with them because your passion about it kind of shines through more, right? Than just writing it out. And, and you kind of remember the conversation, like months later, you're like, oh, I remember when I called my dad and I told him about this thing I was excited about. Then it's like, I'm allowing myself to really enjoy it because it marks a memory for me of like talking to someone about it. You can't just forget about it if you talk about it a couple of times, right? Then it becomes a memory. Oh, yes. Yes. That's, that's so awesome. It sounds like you've kind of created your personal board of advisors. Like I've heard a lot of people say, you know, their personal circle where they go and talk about these bigger decisions and these bigger things that you're going through and celebrating all this. See to like consult people and get advice and ruminate and go over things with, you know, your confidence, but it's still really important to intentionally then tell them like, Hey, good news. This just happened. Or, you know, the baby slept through the night, like really simple things that might not seem like a big deal. You've got to let yourself enjoy them and, and celebrate the little wins. Yes. Yes. Because if you don't celebrate the little wins, all the like little failures don't make any sense. Right. We have to celebrate the ups if we're going to be upset about the downs, of course. Right. Exactly. That's, that's what it is. I love it. Right. I love it. All right. Awesome. And so Kyla, somebody wrote into us and asked, how do I eliminate the guilt I feel when I allow myself to take a break in between achievements? This one, you know, my personal philosophy is that it really is about the journey and not the destination. And I feel that our greatest level of fulfillment comes not from like those mountaintops where we feel like we did something great, but it's actually from like trekking through the valleys of life and the hard work that it takes to do some of the amazing things. 
that we do. And in that time, your character gets built. You, you know, you're developing perseverance. So when things get quiet, it doesn't look like there is a victory in the near future. It's the perfect time to consider like, why is it quiet right now? Like what should, what's growing in me? And acknowledge that even though it might not be flashy and the rest of the world might not see it as an accomplishment, like those quiet, slow times where you kind of don't have a lot going on or don't have a lot on your plate or you're like at a break between your mountaintops, that's time well spent, you know, because you're, you're growing and there's something that's kind of developing in you that then enables you to get to that next mountaintop achievement. And that's really where the grit of life is. It's in those kind of quiet times, those in-between times. And they are the ones that make those mountaintop achievements possible in the first place. So true. Um, I, I, I relate to everything you're saying so much, but exactly that. And I think, you know, probably as an overachiever, we find ourselves like being so fulfilled in the moment that when we get to that victory, we're like, but now I feel empty because, okay, I did what I had to do, but like, where is that energy that comes from the middle where I'm so inundated with things that I'm growing so much and learning so much. I feel like a lot of times being an overachiever also stems from being really curious about life, right? And like trying to maybe push yourself beyond your boundaries. Not always, but I feel like this is what you're making me think about. And, you know, personally, I kind of just went through having to live this out, right? Like 2020 has been a year where I wouldn't say it's been quiet necessarily, but my typical experience of achievement has been outside of my house. I think probably a lot of us can relate to that, right? Like you go and you do something, you create a change somewhere and you can physically see it. So, so much of my work and accomplishment has a had to kind of become internal and like, what's growing in me? Like, what am I learning this year? What am I getting better at? Like, what am I um, developing? How is my character growing in this quiet time? And that honestly has been bigger. And now it's leading to some actual physical manifestations as time goes on that, you know, that valley is really, is really where, where that, um, that achievement stems from is like the work that you do that nobody can see and learning how to enjoy that process and celebrate for yourself is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh, totally. Totally. I'm so grateful for this conversation. I feel like you're just you know, reaffirming things that I just need to hear. Cause sometimes it is just so nice to hear it from an outside perspective to remind you, even though you knew it, it's nice for somebody to be like, no, this is what you should do. So thank you. Um, we had a question that came in the chat and I want to shout out, you know, if anyone else has a question and they want to come off mute or write it in the chat box, you know, at any time, please feel free. Um, and so Kate wrote into the chat box, where do you find collaborators to work with? I find most of my inspiration comes from my times with other others, but that's so hard right now. So like my personal experience with collaboration, I feel like the energy has got to be right. Like someone's got to be on the same page. Right. But especially with, um, outside of, with, with pursuits that are outside of like your main career. Um, if you have like a traditional career, a lot of the connections that are really going to fulfill you and propel you forward and your outside passions are going to come outside of work. So just putting yourself in situations where you can build those relationships, obviously it's much more difficult now in the virtual world, um, but being in those spaces, like joining webinars like this or joining you know, discussions um, around things you're passionate about, 
Um, there's so many online communities that we can kind of tap into. It's about spending time in those environments, even if it's digital, and then making connections there. That would be my best um, advice during this time to make those kind of connections and be inspired by the people. Fantastic. And Kate, feel free to write in the chat if you want to follow up there or come off of mute as well. Um, feel free. Um, and we had another question that came in the, the chat, and this one's from Kelly. Kelly asks, um, as another overachiever, as soon as something is done, you are already on to the next. Sometimes it feels like there is never enough time to do all the things you want to do. And almost what you never, what you do is never enough. Kyla, what does it take for you to feel like you are successful? And how do you know what success looks like for yourself? Um, I kind of alluded to it before, but I actually, um, a good friend of mine is an executive life coach. It's very uh, swanky and awesome. And I did some coaching with her and she helped me walk through and I can leave her information to if anybody's interested in participating in that I would highly recommend. Her name is Tanya, she's amazing. But she walked me through um, kind of assessing my values and not just like, what do I believe in but like what's important to me and what checks my boxes, right? So for some people, like recognition is a really important value for them. For some people, like, you know, they don't want to be recognized at all, but they want to move it forward. Like they want to feel like they um, changed something, even if nobody knows, right? So everybody's kind of got different values. I feel that doing some thinking and some internal work to figure out like what makes you tick, what are your most important um, values in life, and then seeing how your time is actually reflecting them. What I learned from going through this process was that, especially as an overachiever, I was trying to do it all, but I wasn't doing anything that really mattered to me um, because I was doing things that mattered to other people. And then the things that mattered most to me weren't getting done. Um, and so being more disciplined with how I spent my time and just kind of mentally recognizing the fact that I have this list of things that only matter to me but they're not getting checked off because I don't have this external accountability attached to them. So I'm not doing them. I hope that makes sense. Like everyone's kind of got their own internal, like is Kyla doing what Kyla should be doing kind of thing. But then we also have like bosses and colleagues and spouses and friends and, you know, children that are going to hold us accountable for the things we do. But the important part is figuring out if the values that only matter to you are actually getting addressed. And then sitting down and saying, what does that look like? Like, what does it look like for me to feel fulfilled, um, you know, physically in terms of exercising and taking care of my body and eating properly? Like, am I doing those things? Is that one of my core values? And is that reflected in my time? So then to sit down and first of all, figure out what those values are, look at the way you're spending your time and see what's missing. I hope that answered the question. <laughs> No, that's, that's fantastic. And Kelly, if you want to follow up there or come off of mute, feel free at any time. Perfect. It's like, thank you. Um, and so this leads me to a question that I'm sure many people on the line can identify with. So, you know, you talked about externally pleasing people and, you know, being there for other people and being a support system for other people. So how have you been able to take those things that fill your cup and as an overachiever, you know, that, 
So the first part is, you know, you've taken these things that have that fill your cup and you've self-identified those. So a lot of times as an overachiever to the outside world, you look really excited for a lot of projects. And as an overachiever, I find it personally hard to say no to some things that maybe I just honestly don't have the time, or maybe I'm not so excited about, but I really like to help other people achieve things like yourself. And so how have you been able to, you know, use those things you self-identified and also bring them in to be able to say no to certain projects and feel okay in that? Because again, as an overachiever, if I say no, I feel like I'm letting other people down and then I let myself down. One thing I found to definitely be true is if I try and do too much, I become ineffectual in everything that I do. And that's not just true for me. That's true for everyone. When you're overextended and you don't, you know, say no, then you're not going to be effective even in the things that you usually do really well. Um, and you'll drive yourself crazy, quite honestly, like it's not sustainable. Um, so back to kind of doing that exercise of speaking to the values, you kind of have to see them as parts of a whole, right? It's, it's they're parts of you. Um, and we can call them passions, we can call them values, but they show up in different ways. In my mind, my core values then are attached to my skill set and my gifts as a person. And then from there, it's attached to physical manifestations of like how I'm spending my time and what that passion really looks like in the real world. So if you can kind of chart that out and say like, what matters to me? What am I good at? What makes me feel fulfilled and recognize what those things are, then look at your life and say, okay, so I'm not spending any time in this area, but I've identified it as something that's really important to me. When something comes along, a project or, you know, a relationship that actually helps you check that box, by all means, jump on it. But then if you see like, I've got like 10 things and I'm like overextended in this area, I can pull back here. It's, it's just recognizing like, what part of me does this fulfill? And do I have room for that right now? And being really selective. And, and that kind of gives you the permission to say no, because it's not just oh, I'd be good at this and I'm interested in it. So I have to say, yes, it's, I got like 10 things going on in that bucket. I don't need to add anything else because it's going to overflow and then I'm going to suck at all of it. Right. So just kind of like being cognizant of like what you've got going on and what parts of you are fulfilled in those things. And then being selective about what you add once you kind of realize what, what's going on already. Oh, that is so helpful. Um, and so in this kind of process, of learning to do all of that, which doesn't come easy and does not come naturally. Have you also had to learn how to delegate tasks, even if it's not work-related? And how have you kind of been able to do that? Even if you have a project that you're like, I actually really like that and would like to do that, but I just can't. And I need to be realistic with myself. Yeah. Firm believer in, you know, kind of keeping your eyes and ears open, right? Like when you meet somebody that's got a similar skill set or similar interests, be that person to connect, right? You know what? You might want to say, hey, I met somebody at a conference last month that might be really great for this. Like keep me posted. I'm happy to um, continue to help in any way that I can, but I can't help in that capacity. But I'll give you so-and-so's number because I think he'd be great or she'd be wonderful, right? So just kind of being a conduit of um, staying involved enough to be helpful, but not burdened, right? So when you kind of decide that you're interested in something or you're passionate about what somebody else is doing, you might want to say, 
put me on the newsletter or give me quarterly updates and let me know if I can make connections for you or if I can give you an hour of my time and have a phone call and give you my thoughts about your project, but I can't be on the board or I can't, you know, be the project manager for that. I just don't have the capacity. So you can, you can give people the amount of you you have to spare, if that makes sense. And that's okay. And people will understand that they, they accept, you know, the sliver of time you have over nothing. Yeah, it's, it's so true, especially if they value your input or they value what you have to bring to the table. Um, you know, it's always great to be honest and be transparent and let people know that you just don't have what it takes to help them in the capacity that they're hopefully looking for, but maybe being able to provide that insight or guidance. And so we had a comment in the chat that was even delegating is really time consuming. And so you have to do it really well. And so I didn't know if you had any response to that or if you've sort of overcome something like that. Yeah, not the best at delegating, um, I'll be honest. So I'm a big fan of delegating if it helps, right? Like I'm not gonna lie and say that delegating always takes something off your plate. I mean, like sometimes delegating becomes more work than it's worth. Let's be honest, like not everyone goes above and beyond and not everybody is you and can do what you're doing. So not going to be like, oh, get something off your plate and then add something else, right? It's stressful. Then your name's attached to something. Things are getting fall, fall, like falling through the cracks and you have no control over it. And then, you're, you know, it's, it's a lot. So my advice when it comes to delegating is do it when it makes sense. Like if you've got somebody that you can trust, don't be a control freak. Like let other people participate and add to it. But use your head. Like if you can't trust somebody with something important, just do it yourself and, you know, maybe get less sleep that night. Maybe this is the overachiever in me. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not going to say delegating is always the best. Um, but when it makes sense and you know that somebody is going to do a great job, loosen the reins and let somebody else, you know, contribute to what you're doing because it does save you a lot to, uh, to be able to unload something if possible. <laughs> Oh, yes. And Lauren wrote in and said delegating is hard. And she's not wrong because, you know, I think also if you're an overachiever, you like, you're like, no, but I need to be on every project. Like I need to be there because I need people to see my worth via my contributions or, you know, the input that I gave when, you know, sometimes it's really just not needed. And then it's just putting too many cooks in the kitchen for something as well. And so, you know, I guess also part of that is recognizing where you fit in, um, even though you might be really interested in something and your insights might be valuable. Sometimes it might just be better to take a step back, even though it is very hard. Well, on that note, what I'll say is the only way you can kind of move up is to allow someone else to do what you're currently doing, if that makes sense. Like you can't, um, you can't really grow especially career-wise, if you're not willing to teach someone else what you're doing and then, you know, kind of rise to the next level. That's really important. So, um, you know, not that that's always going to be the case, but there is some value to understanding like, hey, I'm not going to be present on everything because my number one goal now is then to, you know, empower somebody else to do what I'm doing so that I can move on, right? Yeah. And actually, I, I love that you brought, you bring that up because uh, my boss shared this really fantastic uh, article with me about sharing your Legos and how, you know, moving up 
professionally, a lot of times it means sharing the Legos that you have, even though you become so attached to those Legos, but, you know, sharing your Legos doesn't mean that you have less Legos. It means that you compensate with other Legos that are cooler Legos maybe, or bigger Legos. (laughs) And so you're able to build essentially a bigger Lego house. For me personally, and probably for a lot of us, there is no greater joy than like helping somebody else or being a part of someone else's accomplishment and really like building someone else up. I love that. Like that is one of my biggest um, ways of feeling fulfilled is like being behind the scenes and like pushing somebody else on. So that's a great way to do that is delegating. You just gotta be smart about it or it does sometimes create more work if we're honest. I love it. I love it. And thank you everyone for participating in the chat. If you feel called to come off of mute or write in the chat again, please feel free. I, I really love when these get interactive. Um, and so I'm super interested in this because, you know, I've learned about the beauty of planning your calendar, right? When you can, of course, because sometimes there's unforeseeable things that pop up, but you know, effectively managing your calendar so that you're reserving space for the important things, whether that means, you know, taking time to do follow-up emails or whatever that means for you. So in your calendar, do you set aside special time to take a break? Oh, I know I'm not alone. I, I refuse to believe that there's no one else on this call that can relate to this, but a lot of times my break is work and it's just a different kind of work. So like, you know, if I have free time, I kind of like just get this wild hair and I'm like, I'm going to paint the deck or I'm going to build a kitchen island or I'm going to refinish the fireplace. Like I just get like this crazy idea. And like, I love it. Like I really enjoy being able to do something like that. But I mean, that those aren't essential like things, right? Unless I'm having some huge party in my house, like none of that stuff really needs to get done. Right. So my free time is often spent like working really hard on something, but it fulfills a different part of me. And it still feels like a break from the mental work that I do most of the week. So like, if that makes sense, I'll schedule in a break and then fill it with like a project. Um, And I think that's okay. Because honestly, if I didn't, I would then end up feeling really distracted by the um, desire to do those things and not having the time to. Right. So I think, you know, some people scrapbook, some people want to, you know, garden, some people like there's all sorts of things that we're kind of pulled to. I feel like scheduling them is awesome. Don't feel bad about like filling your break with them either. You know, and I'm a fan of a vacation, but vacations are work too, especially if you've got a family, it's a lot to plan, a lot to coordinate. So I don't know, personally, I've never really been comfortable with like a full, like do nothing kind of break. Um, when I do schedule those kinds of things, I fill it with something else that I enjoy. And I think that's okay. Oh my gosh. I'm just laughing because I really like, I am the exact same way. Okay. So I'm glad I'm like, you know, not totally weird, but because I feel like when I do get downtime, that's when I pick up another something else, right? Like over this weekend, I've now picked up like investing because I had some downtime and I was like looking at (laughs) articles about investing. And I'm, I mean, I'm not anywhere near professional, but you know, like, the really the pain of my day is having nothing to do because even if it's cooking or washing the dishes, at least, you know, I'm doing something because I've just grown to feel so accustomed to have something to do. Um, 
So thank you for sharing that with us. Most important distinction is to allow that to be true for you, but to really create the distinction where you're not getting your work. Sorry, my phone just went on mute. Um, it's perfectly um, be drawn to do other things when you have that quiet moment. But if you are able to fully rest and just be quiet and still do it, like don't feel pressured to fill that with something. It's, it shouldn't be tied to your value. I think that, you know, as overachievers, that's a huge temptation to feel like if I didn't do anything that the outside world can recognize or, you know, whatever, monetize or count or whatever, um, that I didn't do anything. Uh, and you just kind of have to tell yourself, that's not true. That's not true. Like if I rested, I accomplished something for me. Like that matters. That's true. And that's such a good call out, especially when we're talking about overachievers. Cause I'm like, so pro go take a rest. Like if you need to take a week, take a week and relax. And you know, that's a lot harder for me to put into practice myself, but I really appreciate you calling that out because it is, it's important to remind ourselves that, especially when we're in a society that values so much of that go, go, go. And so it's really easy to feel validated as an overachiever because you, you think that maybe one that's normal to move in such a fast pace. And then two that, you know, it almost feels negative if you're not accomplishing, you know, everything like making the Forbes 30 under 30 and then the Forbes 40 under 40, you know what I mean? So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've all kind of got our own um, measuring systems of like what success looks like. Um, and I'll reiterate, I feel that success is living your values. Like if you're able to figure out what matters to you at the end of the day, at the end of your life, like what do you really hope to have fed in yourself and your community and your family? If you're doing things that speak to that, that's success, period. No matter what, you know, outside metrics of success the world might have, like that you've always kind of got to come back to that. Definitely. Thank you so much. And um, Jen wrote in the chat that they had to learn that being restful is doing too, which yes, Jen, I'm still learning that. So hopefully, hopefully I'm on a journey to that one of these days. <laughs> um, perfect. So what were the questions you asked yourself to start your healing process and to be able to come to terms with everything that it means to be self-fulfilled as an overachiever? Again, I think that kind of asking myself what my core values were was a huge turning point for me because as an overachiever and especially as someone who's externally motivated, right? Like you want to meet external goals that are put on you. That's how I am. I don't know if there's anybody else there. But um, I was really tempted to kind of do it all and be pulled in a thousand different directions. And once I kind of sat down and was like, wait a minute, the only way I'm actually going to feel fulfilled is if I can like, do the things that actually matter to me, whether somebody else cares about it or not. When I'm able to diversify the way I spend my time in a way that speaks to those things, that was a huge turning point for me. Just figuring out how to spend my time in a way that reflected my values. And so when you are in the process of making that switch and even now, do you keep a track of how you spend your time or do you said you like lists or do you keep lists um, of how, what you're doing? 
stress than it's worth, like to be like really, you know, trying to be that disciplined, right? Like you want to be disciplined, but like to categorize it and then really like, okay, I spent an hour doing this thing that matters to me. Like, that's great. And for some people that's going to work really well. Um, I feel like that would probably be more for me. So what I do, and this is really part of letting things flow, right? Letting um, your pursuits be seasonal is to say, here are the things that are important to me. Here are the things that I can give my time, attention, and energy to now that matter to me. And if I have room for more, then great. If I don't, then great. And letting that kind of ebb and flow, you get an opportunity, you pursue it, you, you know, have a business venture, a side hustle, like maybe you're all in like 100% on that thing for weeks, and then you don't pick up your guitar, you know, whatever. It's okay to let those things kind of come and go as long as um, it makes sense, right? Like you don't want to be so militant about the way you spend your time that you just have no flexibility because that's stressful. So to answer your question, no, I don't chart it out, but I do have an understanding of what's really important to me in a, in a lifelong sense. And then if I start to feel anxious or overwhelmed or frazzled, I have to kind of evaluate how am I spending my time? Oh, I'm not doing any of the things that I really care about. That's why I feel like I'm losing my mind, right? So it's just kind of like having that self-reflection to say like, these are the things that really matter and just check in every once in a while. Like, what am I doing? Am I like cleaning and vacuuming and, you know, talking on the phone to people I don't really care about. And, you know, what, what am I spending my time doing? Do any of those things check those boxes or not? I love it. Um, when I think about time analysis, I get anxiety because I'm like, if I looked at how I spent every minute of my day, I would feel so much more tense about not spending the extra two minutes that I had in between a call and an email to, I don't know, read the daily news. So I definitely share in that. I, I've started to actually keep it to done list throughout my day. And so not so much tracking my time, but that way I've learned it's helped me feel less anxious and feeling like I'm not doing enough because I can go back and reflect on the things that I've done that day. Even if it's as minimal as like responding to an email, I put respond to X, Y, Z just so that I can, you know, kind of gauge and see what I've done. Too. Like I'm a huge list person. I'll have a list in my phone of things I want to do, then put it in my calendar and then write it down because I like to cross it off and delete it everywhere that it makes me feel like I really did all these things. Right. So I get that. And I think part of that is just having high expectations for myself, maybe unrealistically high expectations. So I'm all about being able to cross things off. Um, the other thing um, is uh allowing yourself to give your attention to what's screaming, right? Like sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's a child. Sometimes it's your body that just needs to not do the workout. Right. So like, there are going to be things that really uh, scream for your attention. And sometimes it's okay to just be like, I'm not going to respond to any emails because my child has a fever and I'm just not going to be able to do that today. And that's so hard to ex like to not expect yourself to do it all. You've got to kind of look at your circumstances and be like, today is not the day to get it all done. It's just not going to happen. You know, um, I, that's been huge. I'm still figuring that out, but 
it's been huge for me to just be like, today I'm a mom. Today I'm not an executive director because my kids need me in a way that they don't usually, but today is something different, something extra is going on and I'm gonna be present and do what's screaming at me. And then the other day, I'll get the rest of the to-do list items done. Oh yeah, thank you for sharing that. And it is, it's these times that I am so thankful I do not work in an industry where people's lives are depending on what I do because, you know, especially in everything that we've got going on, sometimes you do just need to take a step back. And so um, it's, it's very nice to have that reminder that, you know, things will be okay, even if we have to take a step back and deal with what's screaming at us in that current time. Um, so thank you. And uh, I want to see, you know, how other people manage their time. So feel free to write in the chat and if it's to do a to done list or if you have something else, because I'm also secretly looking for other examples or other ideas. So uh, feel free to drop those in the chat. And so moving on to our next question, you know, have you dealt with imposter syndrome and how have, or do you have suggestions for overcoming imposter syndrome? So no one has it all the way together. Like no matter what they might seem like, everyone's faking it at least a tiny bit, right? If somebody seems to really like have it down, have it together, they're faking it just a little, right? Because nobody does, it's just impossible. So that kind of alleviates the pressure to feel like you've got to like fake to be something or fake to be somewhere or someone you're not, right? Because um, no one is exactly as together as they might seem. Um, so as long as you're working hard, being genuine and authentic, there really is no thing as being an imposter. Even though it might feel like that, you're being genu genu genuinely you, right? So as long as you show up that way, there is no, you know, there's no imposter. Um, so kind of approaching things with an attitude that there's always going to be something to learn and making the commitment to be a lifelong learner and to humbly approach a situation, realizing that other people are gonna be able to teach you stuff that you don't know. So that level of humility, that attitude of humility, combined with the confidence that you will learn what you know, you've got what you need, you've been through what you're supposed to be through, and now here you're right. So just kind of that, that delicate balance of um, being humble and confident, right? Those two go together and then a little dab of fake it till you make it. Cause I'm a huge believer that you'll have what you need when you need it. You just have to show up and try. And that's true in career. Um, if you feel like you've got the skill set but not the experience, show up and own it. You know, that's the confidence piece. But then being humble enough to be like, hey, I've never done this before. Can you teach me this? I know I'll get it. Right. Like that's perfectly fine. Um, so that's kind of been my mess of you know combating imposter syndrome is realizing that nobody is perfect and as long as I am humble and approach things with a sense of humility and then I'll learn what I need to know because I got this you know I love it and I really love how you put it up as you know being open to learning and you know realizing that you don't know everything and you don't need to know everything you know dedicating your life to being a lifelong learner and having the humility to take in that information that's really interesting and important and i have not actually heard anyone talk about imposter syndrome uh with this so thank you for bringing that up i know that's something i'm going to keep thinking about yeah for sure 
Awesome. So I love this question um, because I think it's so important. So how can I discover what my passions are? Being an overachiever, I feel like I have so many passions that I want to iterate on, but maybe they're just things I really like. Absolutely. Well, I think that your passions are going to change over time. And, um, you know, I think that for most people, we kind of have a core motivator to uh, what makes us tick, right? And I always love asking people, like, what's your thing? Like, what's really important to you that you can kind of trace through all of your passions? For me, I love a good before and after. Like, I love um, doing hair because it's like, oh, it looks like crap and now it looks great. You know, I'm into that. I'll watch somebody get a haircut all day. I love home renovations for that exact reason. Like, oh, to have a vision and to make something look so pretty, love it. Um, in someone's life, like look where they were at and then look how hard they worked and now look where they are. It's all kind of that common thread for me is the before and after. Once I realized that, I allowed it to take different forms, right? So it's cool if I'm teaching voice lessons and I can look back in a year and say like, wow, this student's grown so much. That's why I enjoy it because I love to see people grow. I love to see things change for the better. Um, and then it's okay if I want to, you know, dabble in something else for a period of time that might not be a forever thing because it still speaks to what's most important to me and what I really enjoy. So if you're trying to figure out if something's just a hobby or if it's a true passion, I would wager to bet that there's probably a common thread that connects them all if, if you're interested in them. And it's really okay to let them flow in and out of your life as it makes sense and let your passions and pursuits be seasonal. I love that advice. I had a friend who um, she would allow something to like fester in her mind for about three months to decide if it was something that she was really interested in going after. Um, and if, if after three months she was kind of indifferent about it or didn't feel as strongly about it after the, you know, the first month, then she would kind of say, well, I'm not going to dedicate my time to that. So I don't know if you have any, I know you said, you know, your pursuits are seasonal and, you know, passions can be seasonal, but do you have any amount of time that you then decide whether or not something is worth uh, going towards more? Yeah. I have the space, like the mental and, um, you know, uh, capacity to pursue something new. I feel like if I, if it's in me and it needs to get out, that's okay. If it doesn't become all that it could be, that's fine but you don't know until you give it that chance to grow. So like, I always tell people dream big, like don't put limits on what you feel like is possible. We limit ourselves way more than we should. Um, if we believe that we can create something amazing or we have a great idea, don't sit on it for a crazy amount of time, just pursue it. You know, my brother just uh, sent me some pictures last night. He's gonna start designing t-shirts cause he kept having t-shirt ideas. So now he's pursuing it because he wants to see if it becomes something. Is it going to be a billionaire t-shirt salesman? Probably not, but at least he pursued this thing that was in his heart and in his mind. And if it becomes nothing and it's a huge flop and he loses a little bit of money, at least he tries. That's kind of the way that I see things, right? Like if you've got some creative idea or some pursuit or some social enterprise that you feel like could make a change in somebody's life, go for it. Like try, you know, and be easy on yourself. Everything doesn't have to become super successful, but you don't know until you try. 
And most things are much lower stake than we think they are. We tend to overthink the risk of doing a lot of things. And it takes more mental energy to go back and forth in your head than it does to just take the first step and see if it becomes something. I love that. I love that. Just go, just go and go with the wind. And, you know, <laughs> if it doesn't work out, it's quite all right. Um, I love that. And so Kyla, you know, we only have a few minutes left, which is really sad because it's such an interesting conversation and I have learned just so much, but I wanted to, you know, give you the last couple of minutes to talk about mom starts here, you know, talk about where we can find you, how we can support you and any last pieces of advice that you have for us today. So, um, I'm all about making connections and relationships and talking and, you know, working with other people towards their goals. So if you want to reach out, if you want to talk more, if you have other questions for me personally, you can find me on social media. My Facebook is Kyla Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-D-T. Um, if you add me, you know, send me a message and say, Hey, I met you on power to fly. I want to connect by all means. Um, let's do it. Uh, my Instagram is Kyla 075. I think I have a Twitter, but I'm never on it. So it's not worth adding me, uh, but you know, reach out, um, whatever way you want to get in touch. I'm happy to connect. Um, mom starts here. We serve three counties in upstate New York. So we provide diapers, baby items, um, car seats, pack and place clothing for families in need. Uh, and we provide coaching and resource navigation for families as well. Um, as you can probably guess, it's really important to me that we encourage our clients to pursue their dreams and to go from where they're at to where they want to be. So that's our, our whole thing. And that's, we want to do more than just provide diapers and, you know, a car seat. We want to help change your world for the better and help you be the best parent you can be. Um, so that's what we do. Uh, you can find us at momstartshere.org or at momstartshere on Facebook um, and reach out if you have any interest in being involved, any questions, or you'd like to support us, um, you know, you can find us there. Um, any last words of advice, I guess I would say, uh, be easy on yourself. I think that being an overachiever, you probably have a high level of accountability that you expect from yourself. And, um, you know, just be easy on yourself. You're growing, you're on a journey and keep moving forward. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for all of that. The work you're doing is amazing. And I am definitely not sad that I moderated today's conversation. I, I picked up a lot of gems. So I'm super grateful for you to you for being here. And thank you to everyone for joining us today. And so with that, um, I hope you all have a non-2020 rest of your day. And, you know, like I said at the beginning, we are almost at the end of the tunnel. So um, thank you, everyone. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Bye.